Again, I love this question. How do we share our faith? Because it does. It shows me that there's a lot of you that are like me, just becoming more and more aware of what's always been true. Our world needs Jesus. Our friends need Jesus. That only Jesus, come on, only Jesus can settle the division that our nation is facing right now. Do you believe it? Come on, where you at? Like, we're going, how do we fix this? You cannot legislate what needs to happen. You can't put in some rule that is going to actually fix the division. That's, gonna, that's going to speak to and correct, you know, the issues of racism and every crazy little thing that we're facing today. What our world needs is a heart change that only Jesus can bring about. I mean, it's broken. And Jesus came to fix what's broken, friends. Only he can do that. And friends, he is doing that. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? Like God's, God's not done. He's not gonna stop. But how is God gonna build his church? He builds his church through the church. He brings the answer through those who know the answer, right? Now we, we just got a world that needs Jesus right now. And friends, I'm telling you, if you don't yet know Jesus, you need Jesus right now. Only Jesus can bring hope. Only Jesus can give peace. Only Jesus can bring healing. Only Jesus can bring freedom. Jesus is the answer to all these things that we, we need, our friends need, our world needs. But here's, the, here's where we struggle, right? Just because I'm convinced that Jesus is the answer doesn't mean I know how to then go and lead people to the answer. So we have this disconnect, right? I know that Jesus is the answer. But how do I lead people to the answer? Like, just make it real, right? Like, how do I, as a high school student, show up to a high school campus where all of my friends have all sorts of different opinions, all sorts of different beliefs, right? All of my friends are experimenting with all sorts of different things to try and find fulfillment. Whether it's in, you know, uh, different sexual experiences or, or gender identity or fill in the blank. How am I, as a high school student, supposed to show up on a campus and draw people from what they're leaning into and into what they need to be leaning into? Like, how in the world do I do that? What is that supposed to look like? We're going to talk about that today. You know, what am I, as a school teacher, supposed to do? And there's a lot of you that, that teach in, in, in Christian schools. There's a lot of you that teachers that teach in public schools. And, and they both carry different aspects, Right? Uh, of it, and, and it's not a, a, a Christian school. You get your, your Christian kids are, you know, they're not always perfect, perfect kids, right? A lot of times, it's a mom and dad who like whose kids like gone wild. You know, some of you, some of you sitting in here, I'm, I'm talking to you, high school student. Like you went wild at, in the public school system. And your mom and dad love you so much that they're they're paying the big money to try to put you in a private school system. But the private school system hasn't fixed what needs to be fixed. What needs to be fixed is your heart, right? And so you got you got. School teachers in here teaching to Christian kids who are wrestling with what they believe. You got school teachers in here showing up to the public school system. My brother, Matt, teaches at, at Redlands High, uh, at Redlands High School, teaches math. If you've had Matt, you love some math. Come on, somebody. I always have students come up to me and tell me how much they, they love, they, they love uh, my brother and his teaching at, at school, teaching math. And I always have people, he always has people come up to him and tell him he's done such a great job on Sunday. Like, you, you crushed it this Sunday. I always tell him, I say, make sure to say thank you, Matt. Make sure to say thank you and smile, right? Um, but Matt shares with me, are you in here right now? Or in a, oh, yeah, there you are, baby. Um, 
But Matt shares with me, without divulging all of it, just some of the stuff that he, he has to face as a public school teacher. I mean, and you love these kids. You're not allowed to talk about your faith and you know, all these different things. I mean, what do we do, right? Come on, like you're, some of you are showing up to job week after week, all sorts of belief systems, all sorts of opinions, all sorts of, you know, and you, whether it's at the, I don't know, I haven't been in a, in a secular work environment for a very long time, but I used to work construction, everybody, come on. And, uh, and I tell you, it, it's, it's, it, it feels hostile a little bit. But in the midst of that hostility, look at me, there's a hunger. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like in the midst of this hostility and, and I believe, I can't believe, there, there's genuinely, there's genuinely hunger. The reason people are so passionate is because you're touching on something that's actually, like there's a soreness there, right? There's, there's a hurt there, okay? And you show up week after week and whether it's over at the, again, I haven't been in an office situation in a long time. It's at the water jug. I don't even know if they have like the little water things anymore and all the little conversations that happen. Can you believe getting the water? Um, or it's at lunch, you know, when you go out with your friends, so you go out with your coworkers, and they're talking about politics, and they're talking about this, and can you believe that, and church things this, and, and here you are with the answer inside of you, the power of God through the gospel of Jesus sitting inside of you to, to change the atmosphere at that school, at that job, in your family. And how do you unleash that on the world that needs that? If you turn in your Bibles over to Colossians chapter 4, Paul the Apostle is closing out the letter to the Colossians. And I believe here the Spirit of God leads him to give us a solution, some, some steps for what we're wrestling with. Like how do, we, how do we share our faith? How do we get what's inside of us, outside of us, and let it change the world around us? And, and in Colossians chapter 4, watch what Paul does as he lands this letter. And let's, let's take some of these principles, and let's bring them home today, all right? Amen? Colossians chapter 4, here's what Paul the Apostle says, led by the Spirit of God. He says, continue earnestly in prayer. I want you to know that every endeavor to preach the gospel, to see life change, is going to be started in prayer. I want you to, listen, you're going to start praying for your family. Start praying for your high school. Start praying for your, uh, your, your job, your workplace. You, listen, come on, you start praying. Why? Because the battle you're facing is a spiritual battle. There are spiritual strings attached. And if you go to battle thinking that this is just all about you coming up with a better argument. All about you, you know, finding a way to disprove what they believe. All about, I'm telling you friends, you're fighting the wrong battle. It is not a battle of wits. It's not a battle of, of argument. It's, it's a spiritual, come on, it's a spiritual battle. Amen? And you, you don't want to show up, you know, with the wrong weaponry. You, you need to come bathed in prayer, asking God to move. Come on, I want you right now to start thinking through some people that need to know Jesus in your life. And here's what I'm challenging you this week. You start, you watch, you pray, you pray for them. You let God lead you in prayer for the people that God has called you to reach. And I'm telling you, he's called you to reach more people than you think he's called you to reach. Continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Don't stop it. Come on, keep on leaning in. Meanwhile, watch this, praying for us also that God would open a door for us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in change that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. 
Walk in wisdom toward those who are on the outside redeeming the time. Do you know where Paul is when he writes this? Look at me, everybody. He's in prison. Now, I don't know what would be at the top of your prayer request if you were locked up in prison. But the top of Paul's prayer request, he's like, pray for me. Not that I'd get out. Not that I'd have freedom. Not that they don't kill me while I'm in here. Not that he says, pray for me that I could tell someone about Jesus. Pray for me that God opens a door. Pray for me that I could have the opportunity while I'm here in the midst of this mess, in the midst of this prison, to do what God's called me to do while I'm here in the midst of this mess. And this, I gotta tell someone about Jesus. I just can't help myself. I gotta tell someone about Jesus. You know, God might have you in the mess you're in because there's somebody who needs you in the middle of the mess you're in. He needs, get, there's somebody who needs to hear the hope you have in the middle of all the hopelessness at work. Paul's in this prison. He's going, I just got to tell someone about Jesus. Why? Because for Paul, friends, like nothing else mattered. Nothing mattered more. And I need, we need to be convinced of this. You, 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 you want to know what's going to fuel evangelism? What's going to change our world? Is when the church finally realizes that nothing, come on, nothing matters more. You know, Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, he said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. He said, I've had a bad day if I haven't told somebody about Jesus. I'm just bent on it. And he was always looking for opportunities for it, whether it was in the synagogue, Mars Hill, in prison. He just had to tell someone about Jesus. Why, friends? Nothing matters more. Like, you know this life is going to someday be over? You know the statistics on death, right? It's like one in one. Like, it's like, it's going to happen. And I want you to understand that there is nothing you can take with you to the other side. Stuff, status, there's nothing you can take except for others. People. Like, and when you really understand that, you'll you'll come to a place where you realize nothing matters more than people because there's nothing I can take with me than some people, than some of my coworkers and my friends who, who, who need to know Jesus. Like, do you ever stop and wonder why, like, think about this. Do you ever stop and wonder why you're still here? Like, wouldn't the Christian life just be so much easier that when you give your life to Jesus, it's like, whoop, like you're in heaven hanging out with all your friends who, like, th every aspect of the Christian life is, far better when we get to heaven. Like, you think worship's good here now? You just wait till we get to heaven. Like, and, and the temptation you feel now, all, all gone when, when you get to heaven. Every aspect of your Christian life is better off when you get to heaven. Why are we not in heaven? Because God's got someone for you to reach right now in your sphere of influence. God leaves us here because there's a, he gives us a window of opportunity to, to reach some people. Guys, the gospel is not meant to be a personal gospel. Like, Jesus didn't come to just save you. He's got a vision for the world. Is that okay for me to say, everyone all right? Like, he, he's got a vision for the world. This isn't just about you. Like, yes, I get it. He loves you. He died for you. But the gospel is bigger than just you. He came to save and to redeem the world, to redeem culture, to redeem the brokenness to redeem all the crazy stuff with racism, to redeem all the division, to redeem. Jesus came to redeem. The gospel does that. It's not just for you. It's for the culture. Jesus died for the world. When Jesus came, his vision was for the nations. 
And so we have got to realize that nothing matters more. He, he came for the world, and then he trained his disciples to reach the world. Remember, follow me, and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. And then when he ascended to heaven, he said, go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. He, on his mind constantly was the lost, was the hurting, was the broken. Okay, you follow me? Why? Because nothing, nothing matters more. Your status doesn't matter more. Your, your, your stuff, that nothing matters more. Yet in light of that, here's where we're at. 95% of all professing Christians have never led a person to Christ. And only 41% of those associated with mainline churches have ever even personally inv invited someone to church to get around the things of Jesus. Why is that? I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, fear. You know the number one fear in America today? The number one fear in America today is public humiliation. Like, I don't want to be publicly, if I say something and people are going to think something, and it's just public humiliation, right? Anyone kind of identify with that, right? You know what the second, the second one is? It's death. Isn't that crazy? Public humiliation, then death. Seinfeld would always say that when at a, at a funeral, people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy, right? Like, it's, it's just like, it's just so scary. Like, I don't want to be publicly humiliated. So I don't know what it is for you, but friends, we got to move past it. We gotta change the statistics. We gotta be so convinced that nothing matters more that we change the statistics. And when we change the statistics, watch, you will change the world. You're a world changer. And so let me give you, so first of all, you just gotta get convinced. Like nothing matters more. Tell your neighbor, say nothing matters more. Come on, convince him. Nothing matters more, nothing matters more. Well then what do we do if I believe that nothing matters more? You're gonna start living out loud. Paul says this in, in, back in Colossians. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying for us that God would open a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Paul's saying, I'm looking for a way to get what's inside of me, outside of me. There we go. We do it every week for first service. You're welcome. At least we got lights on stage. And the way I get what's inside of me, outside of me, friends, is, is that I start living out loud. Pray for a door to be open, to speak of my faith. You know the problem is today, let me help, is that you've been told that your faith is a personal thing. Don't talk about, don't talk about church, don't talk about religion, don't talk about politics, that's a, that's a personal thing. You know that's a lie from the pit of hell? That your faith would be a personal thing? Do you know that your faith is actually meant to be a very public thing, not a private thing? It's not a supposed to be a suppressed thing. It's supposed to be a loud and audacious thing. Your faith. And friends, that's not just for the world's sake. That's for your sake. Do you know that if your faith is only a personal and private faith, then I'm going to tell you this. It's a weak and struggling faith. Come on, listen to what I just said. Like a lot of people are like, I don't know why my faith is so weak and I don't know why I can't. It's often because you have taken your faith and made it a, a personal and private faith. When you let your faith go public, when you let your faith go loud, all of a sudden it becomes a stronger faith. It becomes audacious faith because it's a faith that's being lived out loud. God has more for you than a weak and struggling faith. And so do you know what he does? Watch, how does God strengthen your faith? He calls your faith into the public arena. Come on, look at me. I know it seems so simple, but there's a lot of, lot of you in here who believe in Jesus, who, who love God, but you have let 
You have yet to let your faith be moved into the public arena. And until you do that, there's something that is always going to be holding you back. There's going to always be something that's kind of squelching what God put inside of you. And so here's what he does. Watch me. The very first thing Jesus does, when you give your life to him, he says, go into all the world and make disciples. Then what does he say? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look at me. This is why it's so important, everybody. You give your life to Jesus. Great. The next thing you need to do is to get what? Say it with me. Baptized. Next thing you need to do is do what? Get baptized. You know, we've got a baptism coming up, by the way, in a couple weeks. And if you've yet to be baptized, I'm telling you, it will change your life when you finally decide, I'm not going to let the decision I made just be personal. Baptism is all about going public. It's just going public. I'm just going to let everybody know I'm all in. I belong to Jesus. I, I'm not sitting back on anymore. When you do that, I'm telling you, it, it breaks the dam that's been holding back the waters in your life that are going to flow and all the channels that God created for your life. The moment you say, I'm all in, I'm going all out. And so baptism, if you haven't been baptized yet, you're going to get baptized and you watch how God changes your life when you go public. But now watch. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What happens there in baptism is not just meant to be, be expressed in that moment. It's actually meant to be something that moves into every moment of your life. You, you get public about your faith in baptism, and then you show up to work public about your faith. You show up to school public about your faith. You show up to the home public about your faith. You show up to a world that says, I am no longer letting what you believe and what you're pushing on me come and all the, all the shame you try to make me feel and all the, and to push into me, I'm going to come full. I'm loud. I'm audacious. I'm, I'm just going to live it out loud, starting with baptism and then moving into every arena of your life. For your sake and for the world around you's sake, we need to get loud about our faith. It's an attitude that's meant to permeate every moment of our life. Telling the world and going public with our faith is the way we're meant to live. You know, on Sunday morning, here's the problem though, right? Sunday morning, you show up, and you're in a faith environment. Welcome, everybody, to the faith environment. Anyone got some faith in this place, right? And, and what we do in this public environment, this faith environment, is, man, we're high-fiving each other. We're talking about Jesus. We're giving out hugs. We're like, man, I, I just am feeling so pumped up today. Let's go, right? Because your faith is, is being fueled in the atmosphere of church, and you just feel like I could finally be myself. Like, I don't have to hide. I, I can just be a little loud about what God's doing inside of me. This is your problem. God's gotten a hold of you. He's doing something inside of you. He's changing you. He's molding you by his spirit. He's, he's shifting things inside of your heart. And when you're here, it feels very genuine because God's doing something inside of you. And then you walk away from a church that's high-fiving you and faith-friendly into a world that's not so much so faith-friendly. Into a world that's not, you know, happy about what's happening inside of your heart. And you've got this tension now to manage. What do I do with what God's doing inside of me? Do I let the world suppress it or do I just own it? Do I let the world silence it or do I just got audacious about it? And I've got this tension now to manage in, in my life. And friend, the way that you manage that tension, I'm telling you, the way you manage that tension is going to change everything about you. Let me help you, friends. Look it. You don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. 
Paul the Apostle says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, right? I don't need to be ashamed. Why? Because I'm showing up to work. I'm showing up to school. I'm showing up to the family's dinner table with a solution for every problem that they're walking through right now. And I don't need them to influence me. I need to step out in audacious faith in a way that's actually going to influence them. Friends, you don't need to be silent about your faith, ashamed of your faith. Let them feel it. Let them see it. And let them change by it. Your life is different. So go live different. Don't take what God's doing inside of you and when you walk out of here, let the world squelch it. Take what God's doing inside of you and let God do what he desires to do through what he's doing inside of you. Show up and change the world around you. Look at me. Your speech is different. When you show up to work and you're not allowing your speech to be different but to be same, friends, you're squelching what God's doing inside of you. Your speech is different. Let it be different. Like, you see things different. Let it be seen that way. Let it be said that way. You treat your relationships different. So because of that, when you get around the circle and everyone's talking about so-and-so and they're saying this about such-and-such, and such, and they, you're going to be different. Why? Because you are different. And the world needs your difference. We hold back that difference. And when we hold back that difference, we hold back the change that the world needs. Are you following me right now? Come on. You need to let that difference be seen. To be true to who God is making you to be instead of what the world wants you to be. That's the best way to say it. You be true to who God is making you to be instead of what the world is wanting you to be. You're different, okay? Tell your neighbor you're different. Like, look, like you're different. You're different. It's true. Come on, look at me. Hey, you're of a different kingdom, friends. You're of a different kingdom. And we got to learn to let that get loud inside of our lives. I'm going to get loud about it. I'm going to live it out loud. Jesus said, let your light so shine before this world that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He said, don't hide your light under a bushel, right? Hide it under a bushel. Come on, not, not me, no? Don't let Satan it out, right? No way. Why did Jesus tell us not to hide it under a bushel? Why do you use that analogy? Because here's what's going on. The light's still shining, the light's still there, but he knew we would take the light that we're letting shine at church, that we're letting shine in faith environments, that we're letting shine in places where it's easy to shine. He knew that we'd take that light, and when we brought it into the darkness, the very place that needs the light, that there'd be a temptation to take something and cover that light. To take something and go, oh, I don't want him to see this. And so all of a sudden, you're in conversations, and instead of looking for a way to share Jesus, you're looking for a way to get out of the conversation without letting people know that you actually know Jesus. Why? Because there's this temptation to hide it under a bushel. And Jesus goes, here's what I want you to do. Just don't hide it. Look at me. You be you. You're different. And you need to start living out loud. The Bible says that they will, he says, know how to answer people when they ask about the hope that's inside of you. Think about what's happening there for a second. Like Jesus just assumes that people are going to go like, can I ask you a question? Can you tell me about this hope you have inside of you? 
Now, why in the world would somebody ask about a hope inside of you if you walk around hiding the hope that you have inside of you? Jesus says there's supposed to be something happening, that you're walking to work and you're just, hope, you're just filled with hope. You're just loving people. When people do something stupid, you're not doing something stupid back. Why? Because you forgave them. You, forgot, you, you, you know how to forgive. You forgave them before you showed up to work, so it doesn't even offend you anymore. When they come and do something stupid, you're like, that doesn't bug me. I forgave you before you, I showed up here because I knew you were going to do something stupid. Right? And so I'm just, I'm just loving people. And people are talking about so-and-so. I'm like, hey, you know, actually, they're going through some stuff right now. We need to be caring. And you're just different. you got some hope. What's meant to happen is people pull you aside and go, tell me about this hope inside of you. Tell me about what's different inside of you. See, that's what is going to draw people. Think about the light. Let your light so shine before the world that they see your what? Good works. Like, why do you keep showing up to the office with free bagels for everybody? Like, I don't get that. Like, what's your deal? Oh, I just, you know. You ever heard about Jesus? It's kind of a hard segue, but we'll get there, right? <laughs> you get my point. Come on. Look at me. Look at me, everybody. Look at me. Break off of, in, in, right now. Watch. In Jesus' name, it is broken off of you. You be, look at me. You be true to who God is making you to be. And not who this world is trying to force you to be. Because this world needs you to be who God is making you to be. To change the world. To look like what God wants it to be. Come on, amen. You just show up. You be you. Here's the other thing. Live out loud. Next thing is this. Look for the opportunity. That's what Paul said. He prayed for a door to open. Like in other words, he's looking for opportunity. He called it a do an open door. I believe that every single day of your life there's an opportunity to impact people with the gospel. Every day. Every single day. To get people around the things of Jesus, to share our faith. The question is whether or not we're looking for them. Like, are you looking for it? Paul's looking for it. Paul's in prison, he's like, looking for it. Is there an opportunity? Like, Paul would show up in prison, and like, the prison guards would get saved. Do you know that in prison with Paul, uh, uh, in, in that day, you... Paul was such a high-level prisoner, they would chain Roman guards. He would be chained to Roman guards, like constantly, 24-7. And most people would think, I hate this. I'm chained to a Roman, a Roman soldier. I'm chained to a Roman guard. Not Paul. He's like, sucker, you're chained to me. <laughs> right? You're chained to me. You're going to have to listen to me. And do you know wherever Paul went, you, you just see these prison guards just getting saved. The whole prison getting saved. Why? But Paul's like, God put me here. You suckers all locked up with me. God put me here because y'all need me, right? He just saw life different. And we need it. He's looking for the opportunity constantly. His, his heart is bent on it. And I'm telling you right now, there are more opportunities than you could ever think or imagine around you every single day. When I was in high school, we went on a mission trip. This is my very first time going on a mission trip. Let me see your hand if you've ever been on a overseas mission trip. Raise your hand. Come on, come on. Right? I mean, we got to go on some mission trips, Mike. We got to take some mission trips. Let's do it. So here's what I was when you go on a mission trip. Let you in on, let you in on it. I'm in high school. We're going to go uh, to Hungary. We're going to Europe. And here's what we do. We first all get together months before we go on this trip. And what do we do? We're learning the language. You know? We're learning, you know, if you want a big soda, you order a naj cola. It means big soda in Hungarian. I got to learn that, right? And, and you start learning the language. You learn just so you could connect with people. And then, and then you're, you start praying very intentionally that God would anoint this time when you get over there to Hungary. And, and, and then you, 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 you start, you know, 
preparing yourself for how you're going to share the gospel and tell your testimony, share your story. And you, you do all of this, and there's just kind of this anticipation in the air. There's this expectation in the air. And you get on a plane really early in the morning. I don't know why mission trips always leave at 2 in the morning. But you get on a plane, and you fly all the way over to, to Estergom in Hungary, and you land, and you, you get out. Now watch what happens. The moment you are on that plane and you step onto that ground, you are looking at everything different. Why? Because I'm a missionary. And now every conversation is, is brimming with potential. Like every interaction is brimming with potential. Every, every person I meet is a person that Jesus brought me to share with today. Every, every situation I'm in was, was, was ordained because I'm thinking this way by God for me to be a change a life in the middle of the situation that I'm in. And lo and behold, you're watching people get saved. You're watching stories be told. You're watching lives being changed. You're watching, and everyone's like so excited. The team's freaking out because let me tell you this story today. And can you believe this? Can you believe that? And you watch God do all of these things. And then you get on a plane, you fly back to America, you land, and everyone just goes, oh man, think about what God did over there in Hungary. And then we all gather together like three months later and we show pictures. Do you remember Remember what God did over there? <laughs> Friends, the way you lived over there, I remember when this hit me. The way I lived over there is the very same way I'm supposed to live right here. It's like I, I don't go there to be a missionary. God put me here to be a missionary, you see? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live out loud, and I'm going to look for the opportunity because it's going to happen today. Like, I, here's what we're going to do. We're going to prepare you, church. Look at me, everybody. We're going to prepare you. If you don't yet know Jesus, you're going to come to know Jesus, and you're going to experience a life of God changing the world through your life, okay? And we're going to, we're going to invite you on a little missionary trip, all of you. So we're going to learn the language. We're going to figure it out. How do, how do I not be weird when I show up to the culture I'm about to go reach? We're going to pray purposely and intentionally. And I'm going to pay for the tickets, okay, because we're leaving in about a week. We're all going to drive down to LAX together. We're going to get on a flight 3.40 in the morning because there's just something about the mornings. you got to get there in the morning. We're going to get on a plane, and we're going to fly all the way over to Redlands Municipal Airport. <laughs> Come on. We're going to get out. And you start going into your city, you go into your work, you go into your homes, you go into Redlands, you go into Beaumont, you go into Yakaipa, you go, and you go there with, God put me here. And I'm looking for the opportunity. Now I'm at, I'm at lunch with my coworkers. What am I, missionary? I'm not like looking to get out of this conversation without talking about church. I'm looking how to work a little church and do this conversation. Why? Because I'm a missionary. Like I was prepped for this. I was prepared for this. Jesus called me to this. He anointed me for this. I'm going to go and look for the opportunity. Church, open your eyes. God's about to give it to you. It's sitting in front of you. Some of you right now are thinking about some people who need to know Jesus, and he's put them in your circle so that you can share life with them. Look for the opportunity. Four things. Write them down. Look for the opportunity to let them know you're a Christian. Some of you have never crossed that bridge yet, and it's time to. You're going to take that bushel off. Let them know you're a Christian. Man, so when, you love, when you love something or love somebody, you can't stop talking about it. Some of you get a new, a new iPhone. You get the new iPhone and you're like, did you happen to see, you know? This is not the new one, so, you know, I... You girls, you girls get engaged and it's not like you show up, like, hiding it. Man, you're so excited about it, you're like... 
just go ahead and ask me. Right? See, I want you to think about your relationship with Jesus like that. It's not like, you shall, come on, ask me about the hope I have. Ask me what I did this weekend. Hey, can we get into a conversation about, what would you do this weekend? Listen. Do you know what I did this weekend? I went to church. You should come with me to church. Right? So you're looking for the opportunity to let people know that you're a believer. Look for opportunity to share your story. Come on, teach us real evangelism. How do we get people to move toward, toward the things of Jesus? You got a story. Look at me, believe you got a story. And that's, that's your testimony. And you got to learn to share that. Learn, learn when you're in conversation with people just to, like, sh- listen to their story, but then, like, share your story. And tie his story into your story, how God changed your life. And, man, talk to people. I just talk to people like they are believers. Ah, I was praying about this the other day. They're looking at you like, but it's just, right? It's just who I am. I'm not going to hide that, right? If I was praying about it, I was praying about it. And I'm going to share, and here's what God did, and you talk that way. Why? Because it's your story. In John, John 9, 25, there's a man who is blind, and God, Jesus healed him so he can see. And he had this testimony. Here's his testimony. I once was blind, and now I see. That's all he knew. People are like, well, Jesus, some people say Jesus, and Jesus is a sinner, and Jesus, and he's like, I don't even know, but here's what I know. I once was blind, and now I see. Like, you can't argue with that. Some people are like, I don't know the five points of the this and the four of that. Like, you don't just, do you know your story? My goodness, it's filled with gospel. Come on, amen? Learn to share your story. Let them know if you're a Christian. Look for the opportunity for that. Look for the opportunity to share your story. Look for the opportunity just to get some people around church. God does things here in, this, in our time together. God seals some things in people's hearts that might not happen in, in other environments. Like, just get somebody here. Invite them to church. It's not, and it's not like this. Hey, you should come to church with me someday, Dave. Say, what do you do next Sunday? I'd love, to, I'd love to hang out with you. Why don't you come to church? I'll, I'll take you to lunch afterwards. You're going to spend some money on this, right? right? I'll take you to lunch afterwards. Whatever it takes. Some of you are here right now because someone promised you to take you to lunch afterwards. It's great. We're glad you're here. And just look for those opportunities, friends. Let me give you one last one. Got to be gracious. Look what Paul, what Paul says, how he ends this whole thing. Come on. He says this in, in Colossians. Let your speech be with what? Always with what? Come on, help me. Always with grace. Seasoned with salt. Don't you show up trying to lead people to know Jesus without giving a whole lot of grace. He says, be seasoned with grace, seasoned with salt, so that they so that you may know how to answer each one. Let me break this down for you. Jesus says, here's how you approach evangelism graciously. Some people think like it's turn or burn, cry or fry. I don't know, whatever it is, right? Or like, or like my job today is to show up and make sure they know that every wrong thing they've ever done is, is wrong. And they got to, come on, that's a beginning point of the gospel is recognizing that, that we've blown it. I think a lot of people already realize the fact that they've made some mistakes in their life. And they don't need you constantly holding up the mistakes in their life. What they need to do, what you need to do is get them to Jesus. To get the, 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 the issues that they're facing in life, you got to bring them to Jesus. That the solution for the issues they've been facing in life is Jesus, you see. And your conversation, in order to get them to Jesus, needs to be seasoned, let me help you, with some grace. Just be gracious with people. Like, do you know when Jesus talks about how you're supposed to deal with people that you want to judge? You got a lot of people right now at work that you just want to, you just, 
you've already judged them. I can't believe, right? And you want to you you let them know how you've judged them. Here's what Jesus says. He says, before you go and move a speck from your brother's eye, he says, get the plank out of your own eye. <laughs> what does that do? That just changes the whole environment. And he says this, hey, do not be judged, least you, be ju- least you will be judged. Those who judge will be judged. And watch this, and the measure you use will be measured back to you. In other words, be careful before you go all judgmental on people. Because however judgmental you've been to them, it's going to be measured back to you. It doesn't tell us from where. From them, from God, we don't know. But here's the promise. The way you give it to others, it's going to come right back to you. Now, if you really believe that, what would that change? Everything. Because how do you want to be judged? How do you want to be seen? How do you want to be treated? How do you want to be talked to? How do, how do you want to be interacted with? How do you, when you got problems, when you got issues, how do you want people to come, come to you in them? Chainsaw, right? No. Listen, here's what I want. I want you to hear my story. I want you to know why I am where I am. I want you to know why I've made the decisions. I want to I bring up inside of you all the mercy and grace I can muster. Like before you judge me, I need you to know me. I need you to, to hear me. And I, I just want you to be gracious, gracious to, to me. You ever when it, your kids, maybe we've got some kids, and you've got some rambunctious kids that get in trouble. Why did you hit your sister in the head with the Barbie? Your sister's off crying. Why did you do? It's a yes or no, you know, or no, did you hit your sister in the head with the Barbie? It's a yes or no question. Did you hit your sister in the head with the Barbie? And they never give you a yes or no answer, right? Did you hit your sister, yes or no? Well, well, sister was, sister was being mean to me, and sister was, right? There's a story behind it. Why? Because they're trying to elicit as much grace and mercy and tenderness. and Like, I think they want to tell a story. Listen, you need to be gracious, and before you judge people, let them share the story. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. And friends, you've got to let some people know you care. James says, you, when you bring the gospel, be gracious. You come in, watch this, to your workplace, to that environment, with a humble heart as a friend to lift them up, not above them as an arrogant know-it-all to beat them down. Sorry, was that strong? That was a little strong. Humble, not arrogant. I'm just going to love on you. You know, that's what Paul the Apostle did. Paul was constantly reasoning with people. Do you watch what he says in Very, very important. I promise we're closing right here. Let your speech be always seasoned with grace, seasoned with salt. Go to the next one. So that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Look at me, everybody. Watch, 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 watch. watch. Get really gracious with people. Get in the conversation with people. Start asking questions about their life. Let them, right? Why? Why? So that you might know how to answer each one. God is going to change your work environment. How? Through you knowing how to answer each one. God is going to change your school. How? Through you knowing how to answer each one. Evangelism, sharing your faith, is not, I've memorized four points. I'm going to go and I'm going to share the four points. And here's my thing. It's a, it's a give and take and, and hearing their story and letting out your story, hearing where they're at, giving them some hope, hearing what's going on, bringing them to Jesus. It's a back and forth Each one has a different way you approach. Jesus came to the woman at the well with one approach. 
dear lady, get me some water. That was his opening line. Why do you think about that? Because she was standing out the well wanting some water. And then he goes to Nicodemus, and he's like, Nicodemus, and he treats it totally different. He must be born again. Why? Because Nicodemus needed that. He needed to hear that. Paul the Apostle says he reasoned with people in the synagogue daily. What's that mean? He batted ideas back and forth. He just had himself a good old-fashioned conversation with people. And it's time we get into some good old-fashioned conversations with people, and we draw those conversations to Jesus. We let him know we're a Christian. We let him know where, where our hope comes from. You could have that hope too, friend. Get them invited to church. Share your story. And we do it graciously, not some cut and dry routine. Like, we have to graciously share the gospel. Graciously let people know, come on, that there's a God in heaven who loves them and has a plan for their life. There's a God in heaven who loves your high school campus and has a plan for it. For every single kid that's trapped right now in darkness, wrestling with thoughts of suicide, there's a God in heaven who loves them and has a plan for their life. And God puts you there to let them know that. Find a way. God will open up opportunity. You look for it. And you start with that. I'm just going to let them know God loves them and has a plan for their life. You graciously let them know that the decisions we've made have separated us from that God and those plans. Like we've all made Decisions that just separate us from what God has for us. But friends, there is good news. I'm going to graciously let you know that Jesus gave his life so that you can be forgiven of all those decisions, of all those things, and be brought back into the relationship with God you've been created to have. Amen? That you can turn your life to him. you got to reason with people. Reason with people. Come on, imagine if. You just showed up, walking out of this faith environment into a world that doesn't yet have faith. You, sh- you, 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 you showed up, letting the answer that's sitting inside of you become the answer to the problem that's sitting inside of them. Like, there is power in it that you and I can never understand. He said in Scripture... Paul the Apostle, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God. When you get yourself in those situations, there's this supernatural, God's going to do something. Why do you come back from a mission trip going, God did this and God did this? Because you showed up to the mission trip going, God, I'm going to let that power out. Come on. You got to let it out. You watch. Your life will be changed. All of a sudden, your faith that was dry, like, I don't know, I don't know why my faith is, it's gonna, all the, you're going to have some light. You've never been to church until you brought someone to church, right? It's just different. Like, you're, you come alive. You share your faith. You get stronger for it. You can follow me, everybody. God's going to change your world as you share your faith. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. You with me? Amen. Amen. Scripture says this in Isaiah, come now, let us reason together. God is doing the very same thing he's called us to do. He's saying, just go reason with people. God says, I want to reason with you. Though your sins have been as scarlet, your sins are as scarlet, they should become as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they can become as white as wool. Let us reason together, God says. I've got a solution to that sin, to that rebellion, and to that problem. I can make it all as white as snow.